This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. So good to see you again. And here we are in wet Wales. We've had some dry, we had some wet, we had some more dry, we had some more wet. It's been seesawing backwards and forwards, but the lake is full. The geese are very happy, and we've got extra geese. We've had a whole ton of them in. And that's, yeah, there's some pairs that are kind of settling and staying most of the time, and there's others that, that come now and again. But they're enjoying having as much water as there is in the lake. And the ground is very wet, which is a downside. The alpacas are a bit grey and muddy, but they dry out when we have the dry days. So, yeah, they're doing... Well, packers are creatures of habit. Or are they? Well, let me tell you about the girls. At the start of the beginning of the day, when I go down to feed them, they're always down in the stable, almost always down in the stable ready for feeding. And some prefer to have the food inside, and some will have it outside. Some are right by the door, <laughs> and they're not going to miss anything. In fact, I get followed in. Alwyn follows me in and sticks her in the bucket if she can, before I'm sort of filling it. So I have to kind of back her away and, and block her access, and she eventually she'll, she'll back her. Anyway, Lily likes to come in. She doesn't come in quite so much now, but Lily used to like to come in. She's good because she can do reverse. So when you when you challenge her, she'll she'll back out again. Using reverse. Others panic a bit and they have to turn around. And sometimes they bump the door closed behind them, which is a bit of a nuisance. So yeah, they'll follow me in. But Millie will stand by the door just outside. She does she does come in sometimes, but mainly she stands outside. But just recently it's really interesting. The girls have been going, the older girls with the coats on. The coat brigade. We've got two reds and a and a black coat, that is. And they seem to be taking themselves, generally, taking themselves up onto the, the little field just by the stables, which we call the stable paddock. A unique, inspired naming, I know, but there we are. So the stable paddock, they go up there, and I, I take, I put the food out, they wait, watching up there. And then when I'm about to go up there, I get a sudden rush of, of others, the hungry ones, following me up. So I have to kind of rush up there and close the gate behind me so that the older girls with the coats on get a chance to have access to the food and catch up a bit on the feeding. So they they just need a bit of protection. They've got the coats on anyway, but a bit of extra food taken at their pace works really well. So I usually kind of close the gate and you can actually walk all the way around, but none of them do. They wait. Some of them, some of them stand by the, the closed gate until I let them through and they clear up the crumbs. So... That's the older girls in the coats, and they, they all take themselves up there regularly. Alwyn follows me into the tack room. And Ellie, she's now, she's very keen on the food. She'll be there right by the door. And as soon as I start putting the food down, well, if I'm a bit slow moving the bucket from waist height down, she will stuff her head in there. <laughs> and it unsettles my head. Sometimes I've, I've dropped it as I was trying to dispense the food because she's kind of pushed her head in there. A winner as well. She's a terror for getting in there. You've got to be careful where you, how far you move it, how close to where they are, 
because just as you're about to do your swing forward and kind of spread it, sort of spread it along the, the trough, suddenly you end up with a head in there, sort of sneaking a, a tiny little bit more. And then you get others like Talia who they just hang back and they, they'll wait for you to put it out and they don't let it compete with the others. And the youngsters are the same. They will use the long metal trough and they all queue up with that. And they see all, all these little bottoms and they've got the head down in the food and they'll, they'll work that quite nicely. And they kind of block access from the adults with the adults, allowing them, I think, to use the long trough so that it all works quite well. But there's that routine, there's that pattern. There is the habit that they have about how the feeding goes and where they like to be fed. So there's a lot of habit around feeding. Usually then they'll, they'll wander off. Depends a bit what the weather's doing, but they'll wander off. Mostly they'll cross over and then they go into a path which goes up through the trees on the parallel with the lake. So it's up in the trees up and they'll wander down there and they'll meander grazing as they go. And then they'll take some of the brambles and take some of the grass on the path. And then they get right down to the end and it kind of opens up. It's a protected area. It's much more sheltered generally. It's also the gate where the boys can come down to have a little talk over the fence to, to the girls. But uh, so the boys will be relative. So sometimes that's part of the interest, I think. But they all kind of mill around and settle there. One of their favorite spots. So that's a habit. That's the morning. And then they'll work their way back in the morning along that bank, gradually getting closer and closer back to the, to the, towards the stables. But they go up then through the car park and go by the buildings. So usually in the afternoons, you'll see that they're not far away, but they go up and they'll settle all in a row, little groups, all in a row, right the way along the length of the building on the concrete slabs because they, they absorb the heat from the sun, if we do get any, or they get the afternoon sun shining on them, which is also nice. But it's also just slightly raised and they can see what's going on. So they're quite happy. It's one of their favorite sort of gathering spots until they hear or see that I'm coming down. Sometimes they'll see me right at the top of the, the hill, crossing the fence, which is the top of their field, crossing past the fence as I'm going up to feed the boys. So they'll, they'll see me and know, oh, that means he'll be coming to us next. So they kind of start drifting back towards the stable. If the weather's not too clever or I'm a bit, bit slow com, coming down, they'll go down to the stable and they'll settle themselves in there. They'll start working on the hay. Uh, a few might be out. There's a few that like the hay feeder out in the field and they'll be there in the morning and they'll be around in the afternoon and they'll wait there while the others know. Once they've seen me going to the stable, they'll, co- they'll drift towards the stable quite definitely and then they'll stand and watch me from the fence while I'm clearing up, while I'm mucking out, <laughs> sweeping up and shoveling up and moving wheelbarrows back to support. And they'll wait up there until he definitely has put the food out. Okay, we'll come down now. So then they come down into the corral area and they will gather ready for the food to be dispensed. So that's the kind of the afternoon routine and habit that they will follow, the creature of habit, the albaca. And then you get something else that happens. And so the other morning I went to feed them. And there's no sign of them anywhere. I couldn't see a single alpaca. I'm looking at the gate from the field as I'm walking down. I can, I can see it is closed. Probably. I think it is. It looks closed. Nothing. Okay. There's there's 30 odd of these girls and career. And I can't see a single one. 
Can't see a single one, 33 of them. So that's a bit of a challenge. So I mucked out. Usually that brings them running. But no, they're obviously not in earshot. So they weren't in the field. So where are they then? So I actually was getting a little bit concerned. I was thinking I needed to go looking for them. But it turned out they had gone up along the green path right down the far end of the valley. And I think it was quite a day, dry, less wind than it had been. So they'd been in all day again. They do feel con- constrained by being kept in by the weather. It's just open. They can help themselves, but they, they stay in for the weather. And then the next day they feel oh, a bit itchy feet. They want to go. So they go right down the forehead. Better grazing, bit of space, bit of fresh air for them. And they just like the change. So the habit, yes, but also the difference. They like contrast. They like stimulation. They like variety. They're just curious as well. So they'll do all that kind of, follow those kind of leads. And it was Millie who was leading them because she, she decided, oh, we're going to go this way. So they all end up following her right down the green path to the far end. And it was her that I noticed. I'm looking out. They've got red, bright red coats on. I can see them right down near the far end of the valley. And I couldn't, which made me worried. I'm thinking, am I missing something? Do you know what? You start to worry and do strange panicky thoughts. Has somebody opened the gate? Are they distributed down the lane and into the village? Have they taken off to people's gardens and grazing in insisted you shouldn't be? Or has somebody hijacked them and run off with them? It's a lot of animals to run off with. Anyway, so eventually I spotted, before I overly panicked, I did spot that there was a red coat, just one, down the far end of the lake, just by the silt pond. In fact, you could then see they were starting to come around. So they'd been down the far end. It's part of their little habitual wandering, and they were coming back on that path, which they did. And then they, they detoured and did some more grazing in their other favourite field down on the, on the terraces. So there's this familiarity, there's the routine, the habit that they follow, and then they ring the changes just because they want to, just because they can. So that was an interesting panic. You know, where are they? Oh, they are there. Don't panic. Don't panic. So you get used to where they are. Now, the boys are slightly different, similar but different. They will follow. If they go higher, they'll get the early morning sun at the top of the hill, particularly through the winter, and then they work their way along the paths and then drop down the diagonal to the field at the far end, which is good grazing. It's also where the girls go, when the girls go down. Think. So they're parallel. They're in a different field, but they can see where the girls are, so they quite like being done, especially how and they'll kind of wander back, and then they'll they'll bring themselves back along the horizontal path, not the diagonal. They'll make it easy for themselves. So they'll, they'll come back. I'll just a uh, steady plod, 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 and they're going to be there when I go to feed them in the afternoon. So they have the little route that they follow, the little preferred way of grazing and the directions they go. So there's a habit that's that's there, and then who eats inside and out. It's similar but different with the boys. Jack. Jack just objects. People come anywhere near his food, whether he's inside or out. He tends to be in the corner, and he bosses that corner and the food that's there. And that's that's the habit. The the ones who are outside. And Paris recently, bless him, he's a little bit under, so we've been trying to favour him with a bit of extra food. So he follows us in to the to the feeding. We we've got a place where we put the bucket down, and he he, he it's really it's quite interesting. Because he put the food in the bucket and he puts his head down and he's eating. He knows there's another scoop coming. So he then will lift his head for you to put the, the next bit of food in, in the bucket. 
and I'm sort of loading it up. He's not getting all of it, but he's getting first first dibs. Now he's in behind me, and then none of the others can get in, so he's getting favoured treatment, which is just what we wanted to do. We wanted to favour him a bit, give him a bit of extra food. He's the oldest of the boys now. Just a little bit skinny this year, seems to be. Oh, it's just a getting older thing. So we're just trying to give him a little bit of extra. He doesn't need a coat, but this year, but he probably does next. So there's all those kind of little things to to, to bear in mind. But there's a habit of where they feed, where, which trough they're going to go to, and which corner they are. I mean, they wander around. You can't keep track of them completely, but they will usually start in the same places. So uh, that's part of the habits around feeding. But they have other habits as well in terms of things that they people they'll recognize. And Megan is a great one for that, of seeing Sue, my wife, from a distance. And she'll, in the field, she'll come over and she wants to have a little nose-to-nose exchange. And that's not with me, but with Sue. And then the others, you know, they, they like to be kind of around where you are. But that's responding to changes. You're in the field. They want to know what you're doing. But the habit is there to go around. But they also will settle down with the friends and family that they prefer. And obviously the youngsters are in that as well. So their career will, will normally be around not too far from where mum is. We get little groupings of career as well. Now they, they, they're a little gang <laughs> of the youngsters wandering around. And yeah, it's the habits. There's the culture of doing things in a pattern. Well, we're just like that as well. I mean, we, we like to have habits and, and follow that routine. So why shouldn't the alpacas? So how can we make that work for us? I'm just wondering whether there's something we can learn about, yes, but also put to use. So how is that going to be useful for us? Well, where we feed them, I always feed them down the stable. That becomes a habit for me, but also for them. They recognize that's a place where we get the food. So that's a good habit to form, knowing roughly where they are, except when they disappear on me. Then again, there's a habit there which I can put to my advantage. I know they're not going to be there, so I can muck out, or know that they are going to be likely in another area, and they will be in earshot, will hear me clearing, and they will come, and they will, they will travel the whole length of the valley to if they hear me. And that habit that's, that's there, I can make work for me. So I call them, use the same call, Howie, howie, which is a northern thing. So my my northern roots, howie the lads, howie the alpacas, howie, howie. So I call them down and they'll come. They know my voice. They know the call. They recognize this, most likely food involved because it's the time of day. You know, so they, they've got that routine that they're responding to. And sometimes I'll whistle sometimes for the longer distance. And they they just know the sounds. So that's, creating a habit by deliberately using a call that I know that they'll recognize over time, they'll become familiar with, and they'll associate it with food. So if I need them to come, then I can usually get them to come by calling them. And that doesn't happen easily or quickly, but over time, you build that up, that frequency, that habit gets built. So that's, that's a way of using the habit side, being creatures of habit, using that to our own advantage to help manage the alpacas. And they, they're coming in and milling around and that kind of stuff. And they, they, would, they will so occasionally, like today, oh, 
Millie's coat is a bit skewed, so let me do that. Say, oh, forget it. There's no way I can get anywhere near Millie. And she threatened to spit up me. You know, so she'd wandered into the small table. So I wandered in behind her and closed the door. Then I was able to hold her in a corner, as it were. And she, she did get a bit spitty, but we managed and straightened up the coat. And I think not only does it look better, but it actually gives better protection for the rain so that she's completely covered. And afterwards, I let her go and she accepted being close to me rather than just panicky, oh, he's going to grab me again. So that was recognizing the habit, recognizing the pattern that I don't want him to do this, but now he's done it, he's finished, he's going to leave me alone. And there was that recognition that there was no intent to hurt, but there was an intent to help, even if she didn't really want it, but uh, we managed. So those, those kind of things of the habit being worked with and serving our purposes. So have a watch, go spend some time with an alpaca and see what you see. Start thinking about the habits that your alpacas have got. What's going on? What do they always do? What do they sometimes do? What do they never do? And then occasionally will. So there's the variety, but there is a habit. What's the habit that they have got? And then think about how you might put that to use, making your life easier in moving them around or getting them to do what you want them to do, but letting them think they thought of it first, which is always a good idea with alpacas and managers as well. That's a good way of managing your manager. Let them think they thought of the idea in the first place. So have a great week. Take care and go spend some time with an alpaca if you can. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.